Hi Dev, this is Nadia from Zen Onco and Love Heals Cancer. We guide cancer patients on adopting an integrative oncological treatment approach. We help them find the balance between mainstream treatment and complementary treatment approaches. We help patients with our team of oncologists, lab experts, nutritionists and other healthcare professionals so so we can improve the treatment outcome of the patients, right? Sure. Uh we also help in connecting patients with other cancer warriors. and other caregivers like yourself here today who would who would have known only known and gone through this journey and we hope to address all their queries to through our videos like this and it's such an inspirational journey that they go through that sure. if we're able to speak to them up front and know exactly what they went through it might in turn inspire another person and uh you help them get uh, what kind of motivation and in- inspiration from it right certainly right right so today dev the podium is yours uh, you have the entire world listening to you you have me listening to you through it's your story to tell and i would love for you to start the podium is yours go ahead do you want to want to ask specific questions or do you want me to just just tell us your experience sir all right so uh-huh. uh my wife was the first director general of police women police in the country and uh she had a stellar career and she was the director general of police of uttarakhand and she had uh, kind of recently retired and uh <clears throat> and was you know having a great life with uh, lots of uh, non official assignments now considering that she was the first woman bgp and lots of people wanted to associate with her and lots of uh, initiatives including the government of afghanistan the northeast states uh, rajasthan government and uh, you know united nations and organizations like that so she was uh, very happy with what she was doing and she was traveling and things like that we have a home in dehradun i am li- we live in bombay but we also have in their home in dehradun by virtue of the fact that she was based there yes and uh, she was there and doing couple of things in dehradun and i was in the us at that point and uh, this was around the end of september 2018 mm-hmm. uh, when she called me and said that you know i have had a fall so she was doing mountain biking and uh, she had had a fall and she had fractured her back and uh, any case so uh, obviously she first thing she told me is you know don't even panic i'm just going to tell you something but i'm fine okay she started with i said okay that's not a good start so what do you mean you're fine so she said you know i i'm lying on the road <laughs> my back's broken and i've just called the uh, the police officer in the nearby police station he'll come and help me and he'll go to the hospital i think my back is broken but that's okay that's not Mm-hmm. so that's how it all started uh that uh, you know i was back of course soon uh, soon thereafter and went and went to dehradun and she was in the hospital and she came back she was recouping so i said you stay here in any case i got to go back to work uh and as soon as you recover then you uh sort of get back so i think this uh, sorry this was in june so it start it it was uh, for about 3 months that she was kind of laid up and uh, as she was recovering and ready to come back then uh, she had to get together all with her with all her police officers of 
Uttarakhand and UP. It was a big get together. She was going back to Bombay or something. And uh, next morning, when she was uh, getting ready to pack and leave uh, soon after, she called me and said that, you know, I'm having a kind of a shivering in my right hand and a sort of feeling that, you know, I'm, I don't have uh, quite the uh, control on my right hand. So I said it can be connected to the fall because it could be a, a neuro kind of uh, issue connected to the spine. So we should get an MRI. And I talked to a doctor there and I talked to my doctor friends here in Bombay. And they said, I think it's better that you get the MRI done here. It'll be much better in Bombay. You'll get much more professional um, you know, advice after you get the MRI done. So we got her back here. And I recall it was the 15th of October, uh, 2018. And we went and got uh, <clears throat> an MRI done. And the uh, neurologist called us the next day and he told us to sit in the waiting room and he called me in and he said, I'm sorry, there's bad news. This is glioblastoma and it's an advanced glioblastoma. And uh, we have to go for immediate surgery. So, uh, of course, I didn't know what glioblastoma was. And, you know, uh, he said, here's the report. And uh, I mean, I just got the report and got gone straight to see the neurologist, so I hadn't had the opportunity to really see what it was, although I had just glanced, but I missed that main thing. And, uh, and then, of course, we went back home, and uh, I told her that this is what the situation is, and the brave girl that she is, she said, yeah, it's okay, we'll see, we'll figure it out. Uh, is it, how bad is that? So I said, let me read up and let me understand. So so obviously the next two days and nights went into understanding what it was and we had to get back to the neurologist in Hinduja Hospital. Um, so after much deliberation and reading and researching and this, that and the other, and uh, so we went back to the neurologist and we had a meeting, in which of course Kanchan was there. And she said, of course, I know what it is. So now tell me what is the prognosis. What is it that you can do and how much, what, what, is the, what is the real situation? Just tell me as it is. It doesn't matter. So he said, you know, uh, I think uh, resection or surgery is absolutely essential and followed by RT and chemo. Uh, at your age, I mean, was, uh, she was, you know, fit like a 30-year-old and she would get up in the morning and go for yoga and uh, kickboxing and this, I mean, she probably has half a day before I wake up. So that is the equation between us. Uh, but, you know, yeah, she was, she was superbly fit. So could run for hours and no problem. And this was like out of the blue, you know, nothing, no sign, nothing whatsoever. And suddenly this right side weakness and four days later is a grade four glioblastoma. So that's the situation that we landed up in. So. The prognosis wasn't very good. And he said, uh, you may be, if you're very lucky, you might get about 10 to 11 months. Uh, but the surgery is, uh, is a bit uh, uh, complicated. Uh, and it's almost three and a half by three centimeters. And it's a big one, left, right, to low. And uh, uh, there is a chance that, you know, you might get paralyzed. 
so as a result of the surgery. And I won't rule that possibly out. You must be aware of it. So we went back and uh, after much discussion, we got in touch with our, you know, in the family, we have always had uh, the first recourse to Ayurveda, homeopathy and nature cure generally. We generally don't like um, allopathy. allopathic medicine. So that's been our lifestyle. Our children, everybody here got used to this. Uh, in any case, uh, we finally decided that uh, she didn't want to do a surgery. It was her decision, really. And I tried to be as, as objective as I could. And I told her, I think it's all right to do a surgery. And, uh, but, you know, when the doctor said that this can lead to paralysis and I really can't rule it out, it seemed like a very bad option. You know, it's like, you know, uh, you know option the two. chances. Yeah, really. I mean, you really aren't giving too much hope. So that was the... So we decided not to do a surgery. And uh, then after that, it took about, uh, she was actually, <clears throat> you know, started to improve as we started. Okay, we uh, then went into a deep research on what kind of Ayurvedic medicine works. And, you know, uh, we also had some contact with the Ashidondin, uh, Dalai Lama's uh, mm, yeah, doctor. Right, yeah. So we connected with him. He said, you come over. But, uh, and by the time we, uh, she was feeling much better, you know, incidentally. And it took us about 15 days to sort of sort out what are the treatments we're going to take, uh, which included uh, Ayurvedic treatment from uh, Dr. Narayan Murthy of Shimoga, Karnataka, and uh, another Dr. Ayurveda Acharya, <coughs> Ajay Vashisht from Dehradun, and uh, Yeshidondin from What's the place? Uh, McLeod Ganj, right? McLeod Ganj. So these were the three that we shortlisted and McLeod Ganj required her to go there. The other two didn't actually. I mean, you could manage without. And suddenly, you know, in about 15 days, there was deterioration and uh, her, her right leg, along with the right arm, the right leg also became a little shaky and she wasn't able to quite walk properly. And uh, thereafter, we uh, decided that, you know, uh, at least let's start the Ayurvedic stuff immediately. And we did. We had actually started the Dehradun Ayurvedic stuff, but we, then we started the Shimoga. It was also an exercise. Somebody going to Shimoga and there's a line of 2,000 people and you have to go at 5 in the morning and wait till about 12. Then you get a medication and come over. So that's, uh, we got somebody to go across and get it. So we started on that medication and uh, uh, in about 15 or 20 days that I talked about the deterioration that happened. And, uh, and then we spoke to the doctor in uh, McLeod Gunch and uh, he said, no, I think it's not a good idea to travel. So you wait and see how the medication that you're taking works and then you can take a call. It's not a good idea to travel to Himachal at this time. So, uh, we continued that medication, both medications, in about a month's time. I think this was around uh, end November or early December. She got a seizure, and we had to admit her immediately to a hospital nearby, Oakhart Hospital. And uh, and they said that you know, obviously there has been uh, you know the uh, tumor is obviously pressing on nerves and. 
that's leading to the seizure. So she needs anti-seizure medicine, etc. But she, you know, as soon as she was uh, admitted to hospital, she deteriorated very quickly. So they had to put her in a ventilator and this, that, and the other. And the doctor said, I think, you know, I'm sorry, but she may not come back. Uh, the deterioration has been so quick. And uh, lo and behold, next morning she was up and about and she said, when am I getting home? So much to the consternation of doctors, she got up and said, what the hell is all this tube? Get it out of the system. You know, like that, get out, out. <laughs> so by evening, they had taken out the ventilator. Next morning, she was saying, all right, I want to take a walk and stuff like that. You know, So uh, she being she, you know, so in 48 hours, she was back home. And uh, like, you know, rejuvenated this, that and the other. Of course, there was weakness and all that stuff, but much better. And uh, then, you know, we started seeing uh, distinct improvements, you know, distinct improvements for about a month, after which again, the deterioration started. And then we decided that, you know, we have to now see if you've done the right thing by lupathy, <laughs> full circle. So. I talked to my friends, the neurologists here, the radiation threat, the radiologists and all that. And we decided that uh, it's, f it's fair and fine not to do the uh, resection, but we should do chemo and we should do radiation therapy. Uh, so we did the radiation therapy and chemo. She took it well, uh, and it continued all the way up to March 2019. And uh, she was... She was taking it well, and we used to go all the way to Kokilavan Hospital from Mahalakshmi. Are you familiar with Bombay? Yeah, I am. I am. You're from Bombay, okay. So, I love it. All right. So, you know, so it was a long-distance trip that we had to make every day, but that's where you know, the best quality radiation therapy is available. So we did that, and we did the whole course. She did chemo, and then we moved over to simple oral chemo, which could be done uh, at home. And uh, she took all of it well. And towards the end, the sixth cycle, I think it suddenly deteriorated. You know, and her body reacted to the chemo. And in spite of all the efforts that we made, uh, the deterioration was very severe. Weakness and, you know, general falling, failing health. So that's when things got pretty bad. <clears throat> we had to stop the chemo. And uh, the steroid doses, et cetera, had to be increased for her to be. And she was constantly, constantly on watch for seizures and things like that. So this is more or less the, you know, the up and down direction thereafter. You know, uh, we tried everything we could, but uh, the deterioration was obvious and, and deliberately going towards a certain direction. And unfortunately, then she passed away in August 26, 2019. So that was the kind of almost a one-year journey uh, that we had uh, taken together. Uh, now coming to the other things that you might be interested in knowing, how did we cope? What did we do? I just give you the mechanical dates and events. Uh, so it's a, it's a very personal experience, you know, and... Uh, there are, apart from managing yourselves and your partner and the family nearby, unfortunately, both our children are overseas. And, uh, you know, we couldn't have them all. They've got small children, and obviously they couldn't be traveling all the time. They did come a couple of times, spend time here. Uh, 
for a patient needs quiet and peace. A patient needs a lot of looking after a patient needs a lot of patience. And, you know, everybody around has to understand that, you know, uh, when people go through these kind of experiences, uh, health experiences, they're not necessarily in control of all their faculties, in spite of them being the most, uh, you know, uh, 35 years of her life, she's been in control you know, of everything, including self. I can only imagine. Such yeah. And then when she has to hand over control, it's an unbelievably difficult. So to let the nurse take care of her was not an easy thing for her. She said, I can do it myself. Don't, don't even try. <laughs> but you know how things are. So you need to work on the patient and extremely patiently. You know. The second thing is obviously you need to plug into your near and dear ones. But the near and dear ones who understand you and they understand the situation, not who give sympathy for the sake of sympathy. Exactly. You know, you're looking so good and everything is fine. This is the stuff that doesn't work. That's not the input a person wants. A person wants somebody who listens carefully. And, is and you know, it's not sympathy. It is empathy. You, know, you understand what the person is going through. And you speak in the same language. Some people will come and say, hey, you're looking so much better than I thought you would be. That's a terrible thing to say, just as it is to say, hey, you're looking so rundown. Both are you know, terrible inputs. So, you know, you have to manage people who want to come and see and you have to tell them that you have to spend five minutes with me before you go in. And this is the drill. <laughs> this is what I, it's very difficult, you know, to tell everybody who you don't know. You can tell your friends, but, you know, so many people came to see from the police, etc. Right? Who, you know, out of she was a very dignified person. Also. No, everybody knew her, you know. So, like, everybody knew her. So the Bombay police would want to come and see. So I told them, you know, first they are the ones who are most correct. You know, the policemen exactly know what to do. I don't know how, but just they just know. But ordinary people don't know. They'll come and say, "Are you will be absolutely fine. Don't worry." And then she'll say, "What do you mean? Don't worry." Of course, I'm worried. What is it there not to be worried about? I'm worried. Do you know what, what, is, what it is to have cancer? <laughs> and then the people are flummoxed. No, 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 of course I understand. So, so the, you know, the empathy factor is not, not easy for people to come, come with. You know? so it's, good to, it's good to screen visitors to a patient. I think that's one, one of the things I learned that you have to absolutely screen. You have to give the person privacy, you have to give the person also company, but in the right measures. That's very important. The balance. The balance. You know, it's very important. It's not that you isolate the person and kiss you on email. But at the same time, just don't let everybody just come say and do whatever they want. So these are some fine tunings that you learn as you go along. Uh, the other thing is that you know, the ability to understand that the treatments that you give must be, I mean, something like cancer, generally speaking, is, is an unknown enemy. And it's your own body becomes your enemy, right? So you really do not know what is the right answer. So therefore, and it is not that, you know, you have to try everything, but you have to try a few things. There's no question. And, uh, you know, I, I researched pretty much everything today. I feel I'm a GVM expert and I'm part of a network where, 
if anybody has got anything around glioblastomas, glioblastomas, you know, immediately I have got the research. And if I don't have the, uh, the medical answers, but I have got the research, I know what the alternates are. What are the repurposed drugs that people try? What is the uh, result of tests that people have done? So, you know, and I, I helped them with that. And that I did that. I did all I could. And I had to do it alone because, you know, my kids were not here. And I took the help of some of my colleagues, but we researched everything. What really can be tried? But I realized, you know, much later, and this is something that I would like to say, um, go out on a limb and say it. But I think uh, you have to balance the uh, treatment and don't underestimate the, the work that uh, allopathy can do along with the rest. The rest also sometimes are very valuable. And there are new therapies that are coming out, being tried out. Um, there isn't enough information on whether it works, like the cytotron stuff in Bangalore, which is, uh, I think, a very interesting experiment. It's almost like uh, you know, yeah. a version of the MRI. And you know, there isn't enough information. So you have to do that research yourself. And I, I used to talk to organizations, well, why isn't this information available in one place? You know, all the things that people need to do or can, can look at when you're afflicted with a certain kind of a, you know, kind of terminal disease. Why is that not available? Which site, which location, where can you get this information? And then, I, of course, I connected with uh, hospitals in the U.S., all kinds of uh, best hospitals and uh, Sloan Kettering and, uh, and uh, two others I connected with. And... Uh, and mainly I wanted to know, you know, is there going to be a, a, you know, a new experiment going on somewhere where they're looking for candidates? And if we can talk to a Bombay hospital and you can do the experimentation here, is it mm -hmm. possible? And you see that, you know, uh, bureaucracy can kill all initiatives, you know. And so therefore you have to be prepared to take your own calls. And most times doctors will say, you know, ultimately it's your call. So I'm saying, like, I'm not a doctor. How will I take a call? You're giving me information that is, you know, French to me. Like, what am I going to do with that information? How will I decide? You have to decide. But that's where you realize in, in cancer-like situations, you have to take the call. And to take the call, you need information. And information is not available in a concise or a, or a, reg, in a sort of regular um, assimilable form anywhere just not available. So that's, that's one, of the, one of the shortcomings. And people run around like headless chicken trying to figure out, ye karo, wo karo, ye try karo, wo karo. And uh, so therefore, you know, the, I don't have a clear answer on how do you get this information, but uh, it is, you know, there are more and more networks, blogs, groups where people share this information, but uh, select two or three or four, whatever you can do, but don't rule out anything unless you have the, unless you can't do it. You know, that's another matter. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it is locational, sometimes the other things. But look at some of the uh, things that have been tried in the kind of cancer that you have. Select three or four of them and don't uh, underestimate either the nature cure or the, uh, or the alternatives. But at the same time, also don't discount the need for uh, the allopathic side of the treatment. And the other thing that we did was we also uh, connected with Lucutino and his diet. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. diet regimen and we did a lot of discussions with him and i being a cook I was by interest uh, i did a lot of variations to look kutino's diet and which is indianized because their stuff is very westernized and a lot of people are not able to eat those oats and barleys and you know fine and the seven the other so those variations i think ought to come in a little more and there are other uh, uh, indian so nature uh, nature cure and uh, you know diet plans which are available but diet planning is exceedingly important everybody knows it but the the challenge usually is you know in convincing the in the convincing the patient that this is good for him or her and i find and as i have been uh, for chance like i said you know now i get involved in a lot of other people's cases and there are so many cases that i'm involved at any point in time and i find that many patients are very impatient with such regimented food and uh, then you have to be very creative about how do you get them to find eat something that they like the tasty stuff but at the same time you're making sure that you know the wrong in- ingredients are not going into the system and uh, that's a very important element of this whole journey yeah so that's um, my general coverage of what i want to talk to but if there are other things that you that i have missed or you want to know about please go ahead and ask yes so um while i was going through the of it like was there any kind of symptom or any kind of um uh i don't know some traces of whatever they were that was coming just she woke up one day and realized the sand was shaking was there any yes symptom? out of the blue absolutely out of the blue it is one morning she was uh, she used to try lots of things so she was uh, trying uh, she's got she had a music teacher and she was doing uh, playing the harmonium and she said mera right hand chal hi nahi raha hai kya ho gaya so that's how it started just that morning the night before she i told you she had a party and the dance and did all kinds of things and there was no problem next morning while doing the music her right hand was not working so that's when she called me and she said my hand right hand is not working till that time there was zero indication she had you know but i think you know when you look back you say that sometimes she used to say i've got a headache you know i just want to lie down i feel i'm tired i'm not but you say chat theek hai so jao thoda sa crossing kha lo you know in retrospect you think oh my god i should have paid more attention but really do you pay attention somebody says i've got a headache you don't right right so that is the uh, nature of the beast you know there are some obvious signs that you don't you don't really identify at the stage much later you get to know oh my god it was linked it probably was but there was nothing else you know really mm-hmm. and nothing stopped her from you know getting up and i was telling you that she was going mountain biking like what what would you say to somebody who is going to going mountain biking uska bhi symptoms hai koi chance nahi it's amazing her spirit is just amazing like yeah. um, she was very absolutely yeah and um, uh, you said how old was she at this point uh, so she she was 69 at that time wow that is uh, that is something really uh, that must be appreciated this person's spirit is yeah. just so you would never think that she's more than 45 oh wow it was just a number thing for her yeah absolutely fit running running kuch no she's never had an aspirin in her life never never no medication nothing and Never. the only medication that she went through was because of finally towards that's it that's it 
And of course, she had to take some painkillers when she had that back problem. Otherwise, no medication never. She's amazing. She never had a soda in her life. She would never have tea in her life. She, her food regimen timing is like perfect. Never, ever. You get, not, doesn't eat non-veg, doesn't eat this, doesn't eat that. She's very careful, but very easy about it, but very careful about her food. You never know that she's not eaten the stuff that you put on the table. Oh. But she's eaten her food. But she's, you know, you don't know that she's not been eating all the stuff that you think, you know, everybody eats. There's no need. I'm okay. That's it. So then you, when you tell these to people, they say, Are in cancer? Cancer doesn't choose, you know, unfortunately. It just. It's your own body which becomes your own enemy. Anyone P53 protein refuses to act or doesn't understand when to act. Who knows what leads to that? Who knows? Yeah, it's very true. I mean, researchers are still going on. Uh, there is so much that has changed for so many years. I mean, 10 years back, it was a different situation. We are so lucky that we are staying at a time like this, living at a time like this, that we have the kind of improvement that we have. And maybe 10 years later, 20 years later, it's going yeah. to be a different situation altogether, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is going to go on and on and on. And maybe our children, our children's children might, you know, benefit from it, but it's an ongoing process. And um, at the time that we are, we can only do what we can do. We can do, yeah. No, I'm very hopeful for genomics, of course. You know, the kind of work that's being done in genomics, uh, I think will be uh, will be path breaking, especially wow. for amazing. Yes, Definitely. yes, yeah. yes. And uh, during what I understand so far, yeah, yeah. yes, sir. During her chemo that she went through, um, how did she take it? Like, how was her you know, her reaction was like, I mean, it was mostly oral. It was all oral, actually. Yeah. Uh, but under observation, so therefore it had to be done in the hospital. Right, right, right. But absolutely, there was no problem till the sixth cycle. Mm -hmm. Sixth cycle, suddenly she deteriorated. And uh, she became too weak for her to get up from bed, to do her own things and her mind sort of lost its uh, orientation and she would talk things which are unconnected mm. um, incoherent it all started of the sixth cycle of chemo yeah so while i'm a, a very strong signatory to getting a resection done mm. i'm not such a strong you know proponent of chemotherapy that, I think, is, you know, the amount of poison that you push into a system. I'm not sure if normal human beings can't take it. Somebody who's weakened, I don't know what the... So that what would resection part, be? I would say. Hmm? What would, I would, what I would, would you say, suggest? you know, get your resection done, do the radiation therapy and move over to nature cure. That would be my, my suggestion. And there are nature cure and there are other alternate cures. And I'm very excited about knowing what Cytotron does. Unfortunately, the data is still not available in the public yeah but they have probably done about i don't know the last about 250 or 300 people have been treated initially people with arthritis etc but now with uh, with specific solid tumors mm -hmm. there's no data there is there should be data in the public you know what actually is the experience uh, somehow you know india may be requirement in Yes, we are slowly getting there yeah we should get it you know i'm excited i'm sure a lot of people i'm excited because i'm 
I just uh, want to help people, but yeah. there are people who actually need it. So there Definitely. are groups where people are asking cytotronic arising, just pick up the phone and talk to Dr. Vijay, find out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you must find out because without that, you know, you will go and plonk there for 28 days when you could be doing something else. So you better find out, go call up. There's no information available in public space. Mm-hmm. Yes. So That's true for many others, you know. And also, uh, with, uh, you know, in comparison to her lifestyle in general about how she used to be, you spoke to us how she used to be. And uh, yeah. was it just during that last set of um, six cycles of chemotherapy, was she deteriorating or um, any other time during any other therapies that she did? How was no, that? you know, uh, no, she didn't. Actually, I told you that the radiation therapy was fine. Of course, she didn't do a resection. So that part was one the vital part that we missed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the radiation therapy was fine. It's a chemo that started well, but it ended badly. Correct, correct. And the body, you know, weakens progressively. Um, and the medical science is trying to attack the tumor as if that's the enemy. But the point is, the collateral damage is the body. What are you doing about that? There's nothing. There's nothing they can do about it. Of course, there are successes. There's no question that there are successes. So according but, to what uh, you're saying is uh, there should be a balance between both. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I, somehow of all the cases, I, I, medical doctors have got thousands and thousands of experiences, but they're not putting it out in the public space. So I don't know really how successful are you? Can you put it down in statistics? Not available. But I would say that, you know, in the last two years, if I have dealt with about uh, maybe 30, 35 cases yeah. uh, that I, I know of and not dealt in the sense I've been, I'm in the know of. Dealt sounds like I've done something about it. No. <laughs> but people generally ask, you know, ye kare ki na kare. I said, you know, some of this I don't know. Some of this I've researched. I've got information. I've got papers from the US. I can share it with you. But, uh, you know, going to the U.S. and getting treated is not a great idea because you have to stay there for four months. Mm. And uh, you know how it is to live without family, without mm. uh, access to, you know, local services and, you know, help, etc. You can get in India. You can't get anything there. You'll even live an isolated, isolated, isolated life with the patient. Four months, that'll kill you. Yeah. Because if the treatment mind- doesn't. So it's very difficult, you know, you can't just take a call like that. So unless there is going to be significant difference in the way the treatment is given in the protocol that they can observe and administer in India, if it is not possible, then look at that. It's also, of course, it's extremely expensive. But for people who can afford it, look at the social side of managing something like that. And if it is not significantly different and you've got good hospitals, good doctors here, you can get the same. And Wahhabi, yes. there is no... Uh, you know, no choice. Once you're into a regimen, you do it. You do the whole thing. But for that's for people in the US because then otherwise you don't get insurance and all that. But yeah. Probably if you go from India, you can choose to do half and then give it up, give it up or something like that. Right. But people don't usually, then you're in a dilemma. I think these are difficult decisions. Correct. So, also, so and so I was coming back, I was telling you about this, uh, several cases that I see. And uh, it's invariably the chemo that gets people. Invariably. Mm. Mm. You know, people can't handle it beyond a point. And especially if you are, you know, uh, 55 plus, you know, 
it is you know very very difficult to handle that kind of systemic poisoning mm. that's what i call it. so i advise you know that you choose your you know treatment you yeah. have the right to and you have the you have to own up to the decision you take uh, but be aware of the fact that you know the system is getting poisoned and if the person's you know physical abilities are not that strong be careful of how much you want to let the doctors run this so yeah. for you and you know ultimately they'll tell you acha iske baad decision aapka hai but that's too late you know decision pehle bhi tha to pehle batana chahiye so anyway so that's As, yeah. my observation but empirical observation don't take it too seriously no no, no i've seen we yeah. just having a talk this yeah. your podium to you know say what you feel your experiences sure. yes and um as far as i have uh, like noticed in this conversation itself uh, you have come so much at peace with the kind of work you're doing outside for people de- dealing with cancer helping them out i feel um you're honoring her in a lot of ways you're uh, taking it forward you're paying it forward which is a beautiful thing to do it uh, let me just say it because you need to know that yeah thank you and and it is it is a beautiful thing that you're doing and the kind of strength that you have as a caregiver who's been through because in all honesty would you agree with me or not caregivers do need some kind of um counseling and because they also yeah i think there is a, yeah you're right so you know so that's the other side of the whole enterprise right kanchan and i we went through our enterprise of handling this new ecosystem of uh, you know such a difficult disease and uh, i think both of us i mean i'm talking about something that may not be in your agenda but still uh, the need for you know uh, probably accepting that you know uh, there is a spiritual side to us Yes. that uh, we need to also address and uh, we also got you know then we realized after 35 years of marriage we were getting so much closer than we got for 35 years can you imagine so 35 years we spent about she was in for about 15 years she was traveling all over the place posted in all different places and i was in bombay i was in london i was in toronto so we were married and staying together for half the time literally the rest half the time we were traveling in other places and that's a nuclear families today you know where husband wife work and people travel it happens you know it's not unexpected so where is the deep connect that you get with each other when a real difficult situation arises and then you know what is that which holds you together and holds your sanity together you know? and that invariably is something called spirituality which you know which was intellectual earlier but now it was experiential so even lying down on the bed next to each other looking at the fan and letting it and counting the number of times it's going around and just taking your mind off everything else and so then every 5 minutes how many have you counted okay so it's like counting breathing right it's the same thing that you do in the vipassana but we used to have these fun things to do and uh, you realize that you know that that spiritual sort of walk that you do actually holds you in in a path of sanity otherwise it can you can go mad you know every day is a new day you don't know what's going to happen today is it going to be a seizure it's going to be 
suddenly, you know, saturation levels have dropped, oxygen is required, you know, you just don't know. So you can, you know, just fall apart if there is just one person, one plus one, and there is no other uh, sort of family member to take the load, etc. But this is the, I think, the other side of the whole uh, caregiver and patient management environment exactly. that is extremely important to address. You know, you have to appeal to your higher levels of consciousness mm-hmm. to take you through this journey. Otherwise, it, it gets sidelined. It gets sidelined a lot, the yeah. caregiver side of you. And uh, I'm just so full of like gratitude towards you for, for having this talk with us because it's a huge, not a lot of people would, would come online and speak so powerfully, so full of strength, at the same time being vulnerable as well. It is so powerful, sir. And I must really, really, really thank you because like you said, you went through this uh, one-on-one, like yeah. you, um, uh, the, the, the other support was your, uh, I mean, your friends, I suppose, because that is what you said to me before, that they helped you get to different places and try to figure things out better. But at this point, the kind of knowledge you possess over this, the kind of help and the kind of paying it forward that you're doing right now in honor of uh, your wife is beautiful to me. It is, I think, molded you into the person that you are today. It has brought you so much. I think um, she wouldn't have wanted it any other way, I guess. I think so, yeah. Yes. So, you know, and she would have done the same if I was in that position. Exactly. So, And she's been kind of an inspiration for so many people, so many young girls. You know, there was a television serial called Udan in uh, 1988, 89, 90. Many years ago, I produced and it was a life story based on her. And uh, it is, in fact, being re-televised as we speak every Sunday at 8 p.m. on Doordarshan. Oh my God, I'm watching. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, it tells you about the life that, you know, it inspired thousands of girls to get into the police. You know, she was the second uh, IPS officer into the police uh, after Kiran Bedi. And Kiran Bedi next year was her. And uh, after that, you know, slowly today, the number of people apply and you ask people, why did you join the police? So after watching Ran, (laughs) very funny, you know. uh, So she's been an inspiration. So... And what so are you it? today. What is my choice? So are you today. Let me just remind you. Let oh, me just... Okay, yes. Yes. So are you today, you know, honoring her, telling us her story and what you went through as well. It is It is so personal and, and it takes a lot of strength, a lot of courage to be able to speak your truth out there. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you really for taking this time. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you very much. Very kind of you. <laughs> and I think you people are doing wonderful work. And there is Thank so much to do, you know, and uh, whatever you do is always beautifully, uh, you know, <laughs> contributory to this world of, uh, you know, things that people don't understand. The average person doesn't understand. It is something that happens to someone else, you know, exactly. till it comes to close to close to your family. And then you realize, oh, my God, I wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, you were. And uh, <laughs> that's how it works, you know. And you just stand up at that moment. And do whatever you can. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. And uh, you know, a lot of people, 
don't have the time, don't have the ability to take a call. And at every stage in this disease, you have to take a call, informed call. Right. And people run helter-skelter trying to get the right advice or even the information, forget about advice, and decode that informational language, that simple language that they understand. How do we do it? So ultimately, people leave it to the doctor, usually an allopathic doctor, takes yeah. you down a path, and then you, at one point, you start getting reservations about it. You have, a, you know, all kinds of experience. I understand. Um, I mean, so, there know, are so many different experiences. Organizations like you are the ones who people must be able to reach out to, to get that little help to sort things out, out in their mind. That means is the most lot. important part. means a lot. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for taking this time out. You have such a busy schedule, I do understand. And you've taken this time out so diligently to be with us and talk your truth. I mean, kudos to you, sir. I really have to applaud you. And Not at all. I think too much time. So <laughs> that part no. you got to edit yeah. out. The yeah. amount of no, it's okay. stuff I have said. But thank you very much. All the Thank same. you so much. Have a good evening. When you call me, I said, care. this is a conversation I must do. Yes. Thank yes. you. It's always good yeah. to get it out. Yes. Have a good evening here, sir. No, because and it would probably benefit you. <laughs> I, my system is all right. It doesn't need anything to be got out. I am fine with it. Thank yes. you. All right. Bye. Thank you Take very care. much. Be Bye. safe. Keep, us, keep inspiring all of us. All you too. Right. Take care. Bye.